We all want to be heroes. All of us in life at times have wanted to be a hero or be part of a miracle, something grand, something big where people will notice. Hopefully maybe people on this campus or in our homes or hopefully our family will see us do something great and wouldn't even be even more spectacular if the world took notice. We all want to be part of a miracle, something great. And One of the greatest victories, one of the greatest, well, could be considered a great miracle. One of the great heroes of the Bible is, is David when he defeats Goliath. And so today I want to read a few verses from chapter 17 and a little later a few more verses from, from Samuel. I'm going to be skipping some of the verses just to move the story along, but in chapter 17 we read that David was the youngest son of David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. But when David's oldest brother, Elab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I will go and fight him. David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt, this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistines, to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will, cut, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Then I will give the dead, body, your dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Of course, David would then go on to defeat Goliath. And we, we want to be a part of stories like that. We want God to use us to that degree, something great and grand, something so spectacular that the world takes notice. And this story, David and Goliath, it has inspired generations of artists and poets and sculptures and musicians. They have written songs about it. And probably the greatest uh, use of this story, a form of art that is so beautiful, form of art that is so rich is the 1987 film Hoosiers starring Gene Hackman. I really hope Brady Milliken is not in chapel today. 
for me to call Hoosiers one of the greatest works of art with the David and Goliath story probably won't go over well, so please don't put that on your arts and music exam. The movie's about a basketball team in a very small high school in Indiana. It's based on a true story of the 1954 team, population 1,300 in Milan. They were the smallest school ever to make it to the state championship. The state championship game that night was against the returning champion where the average height was over six feet and Hickory's players were the average height was under five feet. In the ceremony, in the meeting right before the, the big game, the coach calls the team together and they, of course, bring in the pastor and the pastor reads the David and Goliath story that David took the stone and slung it and defeated Goliath. We all want to be part of stories like that, don't we? We all want to be heroes to be used by God for miracles. Even religious leaders really would like to be part of the big revivals, the things where books are written and articles are written and maybe even television cameras come and highlight what a certain religious leader is doing. Yeah, we want to be used by God in big and powerful ways just like this. Every religious leader maybe at times wrestles with this. We want to be a hero. We want to be a hero like Captain Sully. Do you remember Captain Sully? He was the pilot of Flight 1549. And I had a video ready, but it doesn't look like the video is <laughs> going with the theme of today of everything falling apart. The video doesn't seem to be working, but you remember Flight 1549. Two minutes into the flight, they hit a flock of geese. And so they have to crash land safely on water. In the two or three minutes, the pilot and co-pilot had to make a whole host of vital decisions shut down the engines, set the right speed so the plane could glide without power. They had to get the nose of the plane down to maintain speed, but get it up again before hitting the water, disconnect the autopilot, override management systems, activate the ditch system which seals vents and valves to make the plane waterproof. They had to fly, then glide the plane in a fast, sharp left-hand turn so they could land facing south so that they were with the flow of the Hudson River. They then had to straighten the plane up from the left tilt of the turn so that on landing it would be exactly level. Then finally they needed to get the nose back up again, but not too much, and land flat and straight on the water. These are just a few things they needed to do. Everyone got off safely. Many say it was a miracle, and at many levels I would not argue with that. But I think we need to look a little deeper. Speaking in an interview with Katie Kerr, Captain Sullenberger said, One way of looking at this might be that for 42 years, I have been making small, regular deposits in this bank of experience, education, and training. And on January 15th, the balance was sufficient so that I could make a very large withdrawal. The day out in the battlefield for David, as great as it was, he was preparing long before that day, and God was preparing him. He was being faithful in the small, everyday things. N.T. Wright says, Virtue is what happens when wise and courageous choices become second nature. Not first, like they happen naturally, but must be acquired, which start with great difficulty, yet become second nature. Captain Sully was not born with the skills to land that plane in the Hudson River in January. You have to work at it, to practice again and again. Then sometimes, when the moment comes, it happens automatically. Courage, restraint, cool judgment, and concern to do the right things for others 
are four qualities which have been identified to the keys of genuine human existence. But unfortunately, these four don't necessarily come naturally. We have to work at them day by day by day in small, insignificant ways, in ways you could almost dismiss because no one will see, no one notices. What's the big deal? But day after day being faithful to what God has called you to, to grow and develop these Christian virtues for the fruits of the Spirit, to develop love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Yes, we all want to be a hero, but I think we don't understand what it means to be a hero. We all want to be part of the miracle, but I don't think we understand when we look to stories like David and Goliath, when we even look to current day examples of Captain Sully, we don't understand. There was years and years of spiritual development, David, and growth, growing in faith. So actually today, my text isn't from chapter 17, which I've read. I want to read a few verses from chapter 16, the verses before the great battle. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these, as, as he had brought his sons before Samuel so he could anoint a king. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? Well, there's, there's still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's, he's out in the fields watching watching the sheep and goats. He's the youngest. I mean, I don't even really consider him much of a son. But he had Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, the scripture tells us. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Did you notice it? All the things that David had going on in his life, all the challenges. You notice in verse 17, in chapter 17, his brothers were angry, even jealous with him because he had been anointed and maybe was getting a bit of uh, special attention. So they were jealous of their brother and his father basically dismisses him. Samuel asks, bring all your sons. He doesn't even bring them. And he says, well, I got this other one, but I don't know if you'd, I don't know if you'd consider him much of a, a man. You probably want someone, someone like one of these, these boys. His father paid him little attention. Yet David does not appear bitter, does he? If we read through the scripture, we sense no resentment. We don't hear any complaints of him complaining about his home life and what his family did or did not do for him. The way that his family maybe at times disappointed him and just left him out in the field. There's a few sheep he takes care of. Go back to those. Go take care of them. And shepherding was a lonely job. You don't get any recognition and praise for being a shepherd. That's one of the reasons why it's not a major here at ENC. Not a big demand for shepherding these days. Not in Boston, anyway. Shepherding was a lonely job. Out in the fields, all by yourself, for days at a time, if not weeks, all by yourself, caring for the flock. And it seemed if, while he was gone, no one even cared he was gone. Nobody missed him. While in the fields, maybe he learned to practice playing music on the harp, which he would later use to comfort Saul. He has incredible humility. Samuel has just anointed him as king, and what does he do? He goes back to tending the sheep. The time had not yet come for him to be king. 
He goes back to the fields to be a shepherd until the king calls him to be a servant in his palace as a harp player. See, I missed this for years. It was his faithfulness that we see in chapter 16 that even though his family dismissed him, David knew God never dismissed him. Even though it was not a job of recognition and praise, he knew what it meant to be a faithful man of God, and this is where God was shaping him and preparing him for greater days. It was the faithfulness in the little things, the unseen, the unknown, the unappreciated and unapplauded that molded David into a man who valued what God valued. It was his strength. His virtue was in his faithfulness in the little things. Have you been faithful with the little things? The small things that God calls you to? Keeping your word. Making commitments and honoring them. You are here at college because you were faithful in the past. The fact that you're here today, sitting in this chapel, the fact that you're in classes, you were faithful in some way to your academic study and your academic pursuit. And so now God has entrusted, and yes, earning an education at a college, God is entrusting that to you. Will you be faithful? Will you be men and women of character in the classroom? And just so, even though maybe you can pull one over on the professor, is that what you're going to do? Even though there are ways around the life covenant and no one will know and you'll pull one over on the RAs and RDs, is that what, is that what you'll do? And you're right, there's a lot of things we'll miss and you know, there's small issues, they're really not a big deal, no one's getting hurt. I understand that, but I wonder if God's using these days while you're here in this community to prepare you to be a man or woman of commitment and faithfulness, honoring your commitments, honoring your word, even though no one can see. Maybe even if you're out in the field and there's just a bunch of sheep, Will you still honor your commitments? Will you honor your word? I think the Lord is preparing us constantly. David would go on in life and he'd lose sight of this at one point. He'd become lazy. And he'd become unfaithful. Because he started by compromising on the little things. No, don't compromise on the little things. Don't compromise on those little things that you don't think are really that important or really not that spiritual forming. I'm at the place in my life where I've come to the decision that it's the everyday little things that are the most spiritually forming. It is there that God is preparing us and molding us and shaping us for things we don't even see yet. Be faithful in the small and little things. When I was a student, just to give an example of how you, won't, you don't even realize or understand how God is shaping and molding you. When I was a student, I had to pay for my own schooling, so I worked full time. I, I know the challenge that some of you are facing. I still walked out with significant debt. don't know how that happened, but it did. When I, I think I've shared this in chapel before. As my wife is sitting here, my father-in-law, I, I asked my wife, is it important for you and your family to marry into money? She said no. I said, well, is it important to marry into debt? Because that's about what's going to happen. But while I was here, I worked at a place called Putnam Investments and worked 12 to 8, tried to get as many classes in in the morning, worked 12 to 8, and um, got real good finance experience, went to seminary, and when we went to start a church, I needed to get a job, and it was this experience that I had while I was here at college that I complained about. I complained about it. Lord, why do I have to work, and why don't other students have to work? 
Why do their parents have enough resources or funds? Why do they get scholarships? Why do I have to work full time? And in the meantime, that was the most defining thing for me while I was a student. It prepared me for something I didn't even know was five or six years down the road. No, don't dismiss little things. Don't dismiss what God's trying to shape and form in you. Even this morning as I was preparing the message and getting ready to leave the home, I said, Edie, I'm really struggling with something. I, I want to talk to the men and, and, and the women as well about relationships and how it's treating each other with respect every day that prepares us for longer-term relationships and friendships and even marriage for those that ended up getting married. How do I do that? And I wanted to use the example, and this is going to get me in trouble, and I'll tell you that I wrestled with it. I, I would like to see some guys even... Even, and this is where I'm going to get in trouble. Lord, please help me, but this is all I got. Uh, I'd like to see guys be a little more respectful in the everyday little things. Here we go. Are you ready for it? It's not bad to open the door if there's a, a woman walking in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Tamoy, for that standing ovation. I appreciate it. I'm sorry, I'm sure there's a better example and I'm sure I'll get emails giving me one. But please, this is where I am and this is... But see, if we're faithful in these little things, we're treating respect and thinking of others in a small way, every day, little by little, that begins to shape and form us. That begins to make us think of other. That makes us be people who are courteous and kind and loving and to see people in need. And I'm, I know that others can open the door by themselves and they don't need you. I understand that. But there's something in those little things. Please don't dismiss them. And I don't mean just that example, but just the everyday thinking about these small things. I think those are the things that are most spiritually forming to us. Where the fruits of the Spirit grow in us. Because we're not thinking of ourselves, we're thinking of others. And maybe if we were more faithful in these little everyday things, we could be faithful and bigger and more committed in relationships. You know the brokenness that happens in marriages. You know the brokenness that happens in relationships. Maybe if we were faithful in the smaller things, in fact, I'm sure of it. If we were faithful in the small, off the radar, no one really cares, no one really knows but you and God. If we were more faithful in those, we would be better prepared for the relationships that were to come. Be faithful in the small things, the little things. That's where God is most forming and shaping us. That is where God is most preparing us for for what he has in store ahead. Will you be men and women of your word and commitment? I wish I was better prepared before I was married. Oh, I've, by the grace of God, I've not done anything to compromise anything in my marriage or anything like that. But, you know, I could have been better prepared if I had been faithful in the smaller things. David wasn't bitter towards his family at all, and I, I could have been better there too. I'm so excited that my uh, son Logan is here this morning. And now on this side of now being a parent to a great little guy, who I'm a, little, I'm a little nervous. His favorite teacher is Megan Weaver, and I know I'm in trouble when I get home. I just, I know I'm in trouble that I messed that name up. But there will be times I let him down. 
there will, there will be times where I could have been and should have been a better father. And now on this side of being a parent, on this now being a parent, I understand a little better that sometimes our parents do their very best and still let us down along the way. David understood that, or so it seems. There was no bitterness, no resentment, no anger, because that would get in the way of what God wanted to use him for. The greatest spiritual lesson that I had this summer, and I had a great summer, was here most of the time, um, got to go to a few different services, spend time with family. It was beautiful. The most spiritually forming thing happened. We're driving, I don't even know where we go, we're driving in the van with the family, and uh, the kids are in the back seat, and, um, and for some reason I just reach over and hold Edie's hand. Just reached over to hold it. And those things actually do still happen after 11 years of marriage, don't it's rare, but it happens. And, and I looked in the mirror and I see my daughter turn to Logan and say, Logan, Logan, look. And she's pointing, Daddy's holding Mommy's hand. Logan, look. And I hear them giggling. And I watch my daughter's face as I'm driving and kind of keep looking back in the mirror. And, and she's smiling, just keeps looking to see if I'm still still holding her hand. It was a little everyday thing that even makes testimonies and makes statements to those around us. Be faithful in the little things. God wants to do incredible things with your life and I look forward to watching you from a distance but will you be faithful in the little things to allow him to use you for even greater things? Will you please stand? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, forgive me for the times I have not been faithful in the little things. Those times I think, well, it's not hurting anybody. It really doesn't matter. I just missed the fact that you were trying to teach me something. So I pray for all of us as a community that we be faithful in the everyday. Faithful, loving, and caring in our, with our roommates and in the dorms. Faithful, loving, and caring to family and friends. Those everyday moments where you're shaping us and molding us into your image that we so soon dismiss. Help us to be faithful, we pray. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace to love God and serve others. Have a great weekend.